It is Bronze and Modern Gods. I'm John, and that's not Richard. Who are you, stranger? Ladies and gentlemen, we bring you Richard's replacement, Evan. Hi, Evan. Hey, how's it going? It's good to be back on the show. I know. Uh, Richard is not gone. He is, mere, well, close to being gone. He's in Florida. Right. Um, I mean, he's not at Sarasota. If you're waiting for him to report live from CGC to, about, right. about the delays, he's actually on vacation with his family. So we are giving Richard a break this week. And Evan is has so graciously uh, stepped in to uh, substitute for our mutual good friend, Richard. And live from the wilds of Cleveland, Ohio, we placed <laughs> one Clevelander with another Clevelander. Yeah, no, you guys gave me the call, and I said, I'm, I'm good to go, Coach. Put me in. Let, let, let's do this. Well, Evan, where can they find us on Facebook and Instagram? So they can find us at, at Bronze and Modern Gods. And also? BronzeandModernGods.com. And if you like this video and you like what we do, please show it. Give us a like, a subscribe. Uh, we hit that notification bell so you know when our bonus episodes go live. And also leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Today, Evan and I are going to talk about Marvel and DC plot moves. Uh, big changes in the plots of these books that we actually read. It's more than just about collecting and buying and selling. Believe it or not. We read them as well, and we're going to discuss a few of the things that have caught our eyes recently. But first, it's our hot book of the week. Evan, have you heard of Stray Dogs? I The very first time I heard of it was today, and uh, I, I learned about it from you. It is very interesting. Stray Dogs uh, is a horror funny animal cartoon hybrid. I've seen it described as Silence of the Lambs meets All Dogs Go to Heaven. If you are familiar with that movie, that so reference. So weird. So uh, weird. Yeah, it's, I don't want to spoil it, but I guess I can tell you the main plot is about a serial killer who collects the dogs of his victims and brings them all home to live together. And then the wackiness and horror ensues. Uh, each issue of this five-issue miniseries has a B cover that is has featured a, a riff on uh, famous slasher horror movies. Like there's a Friday the 13th one, an Evil Dead one, a Halloween one, a Silence of the Lambs one. And that's what's really driven interest in this book is this kind of this kind of crazy riff on these horror movie tropes with, you know, funny animals, dogs. Uh, there was a set that came out this week of uh, issues one through four, all later printings. You could buy them as a set and it's selling for about 60 to $75 in, in comic shops and on eBay and no spoilers, but it's definitely not for kids. Uh, no. And there's, yeah, you, you sent me the link and uh, I, I, I went out and looked at the first like six pages of number one. And my first thought was, I believe I said to you, well, this is just adorifying. Like <laughs> it's, it's really weird. And, and then I did some reading on, on the creator, his inspirations were all dogs go to heaven and memento. Like, how do you, yeah. how do you make that work? It's really yeah. strange. Well, we're finding out it's a great read. I, I'm reading it as well, and it's I can see why it's ready made for a movie. Now, oh it's yeah, gonna have to be uh, not on Disney Plus, no, <laughs> but I could see it on Netflix or even the theatrical R-rated release would be uh, very interesting. Tons of speculation on this because it's so movie ready. 
First printings of issue one are selling for eighty to ninety five dollars on eBay. Nine point eight slabs are already going for nearly four hundred dollars. Wow! This book is four months old. Yeah. Uh, so I'll tell you a little secret, Evan. A lot of comic shops haven't picked up on this. I still found some on the shelves this weekend when I was out and about, and we'll see a report later today on a new feature. There's a little teaser for you. But oh. you're over there in the in the Midwest. You might be able to go to a couple shops there and just grab these right off the shelves. Yeah, I think I might. I'm, I'm not really surprised by that. Um, you know, as somebody who goes mostly DC and Marvel, Mm -hmm. uh, a little teaser for later in the show. Um, <laughs> I, I I would have blasted right past it. Probably wouldn't have even, especially with the art, I would have just assumed Kitty Book and I what? would have just moved on. So th the fact that you sprung it on me today and I'm like, I've never even heard of this. So yeah, I, I think it's definitely a hidden, a hidden nugget for sure. Stray Dogs, check it out. Others are checking it out for you. You might miss out if you don't move fast. Now, let's move on to our main topic today, Evan, and that is Marvel, or in your case, DC and Marvel. I'll, I'll flip it for you because I, sure. I always end up favoring Marvel on this uh, show, and I should of course. that. They, they're, they're both equally awesome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I almost said it with a straight face. Uh, all these different plot points, and I can tell you, your your experience with stray dogs not knowing about it until today was a little bit of my experience about infinite frontier when you started talking about this let's talk about infinite frontier first okay sure here's what i know and you okay. beyond that infinite frontier is yet another relaunch no it, it's the relaunch uh, well, that's what they said about the new 52, but go on. Agreed. So, so Infinite Frontier is the introduction to... So it's funny that we're talking about Marvel and DC because one of the things I thought about um, as I was doing the prep for the, for the show was of all the times for these comic companies to revisit in a nostalgic-like love fest, yeah. the 90s is just the weirdest time to go back to the well for. So what we'll talk about Marvel in a minute, but DC is tapping into that crisis, whatever, how many infinite crises they've had over the years. And now they're, and we'll see how long it lasts. And that's kind of my problem with what these things that happen uh, involve, because the concept is great. We'll see how these writers deal with it. When the next set of writers come along, if they poo-poo this whole thing, it'll just go upside down. So Infinite Frontier is the introduction of the Omniverse for okay. DC. Well, you know who coined the term Omniverse. Is that a Morrison thing? Mark Grunewald. Oh, okay. In the 70s, he had a fanzine called Omniverse where he tried to tie everything together, all the multi multiple universes of all the different comic book companies. And people always associate Mark Grunewald with Marvel because he was there for sure. years and years and years, had a, a, a hugely influential run on Captain America and Quasar. Uh, and he um, was really a DC fan. That's why Squadron Supreme was his riff on the JLA. Sure. Uh, Pre-Watchmen, by the way. Uh, and he was really a DC guy. So that's interesting that they're actually calling it the Omniverse. Yeah. I So I didn't, I would have assumed it was a Morrison thing because he's always a big multiverse guy. Mm -hmm. But so basically what the higher ups at DC have said is there is an infinite number of universes 
And there's an infinite number of dark universes. So just do whatever you want uh, <laughs> to their creative talent. You can write whatever story you feel like, and you can put it in whatever continuity you want. Uh, and so the interesting thing to all of that, though, is there is a um, Justice League incarnate. And mm -hmm. so they're, they're sort of the Justice League of the Omniverse. And then there's also a team of super smart heroes and villains mm -hmm. who are tasked with making sure that things sort of stay aligned. So Lex and Vandal Savage and Mr. Terrific and you go on and on and on. Vandal Savage is a good guy now? No, he's one of the villain sides because they're trying to okay. keep the balance between the two sides of the of the omniverse. Now, here's where things get really weird. That explains things like Batman reptilian or whatever. Exactly. Okay, so, gotcha. But now people in the omniverse, some of them are aware of the fact that they've been rebooted. Psycho so, so Psycho Pirate comes into it at the end of in Infinite uh, Frontier number one in a big, big way. So, mm -hmm. so laying the groundwork for Infinite Frontier number one, uh, they bring back the uh, Justice League Incarnate. And by the way, if you're interested in characters who are a big part of this that might be fun to watch, President Superman, who Grant Morrison introduced, who's clearly Barack Obama as Superman. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, he was brought in in the last crisis. Um, he's the leader of this team. Captain Carrot is on the team, who I have a huge... <laughs> thing for i own all every issue i have their first appearance in teen titans i, love, I love captain carrot but and then aqua i think aqua woman is one of the team members from the gender reversed universe anyway so people that know about the omniverse yeah these are the people who are tasked with being the justice league for the whole shebang well it's interesting because you know it, the gut reaction for me is oh come on guys but then i stop myself and i think about DC in the 60s and 70s, Earth-1, Earth-2, Earth-S, uh, the Freedom Fighters world, Earth-X, you know? Uh, so this is not unheard of. Mm -mm. And, and I'm starting to get things that I've always wanted, like the Crime Syndicate has their own book right now, which is wow. awesome because I love the Crime Syndicate. Anything We've talked about it on the show before. Anytime they show up, I'm in. So I'm a big fan of that book right now. Um, they're also heavily involved in the new suicide squad led by peacemaker. Uh, so, but it's fun to watch all these different universes sort of pop up. And I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, this will continue on for some time. Cause the, my big fear is always, you know, five years from now, the creative team will be, get reset and then they'll go, we're going to get rid of the omniverse and there'll be another crisis and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, you see what happens over on the Marvel Disney side. There's a lot of synergy between the comics laying groundwork for what will happen in the cinematic universe later. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about Black Widow next week. Sorry, you're going to miss that discussion. That's right? okay. You brought up something very good about Black Widow. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Let's give them a sure. look watch it. But do you get the sense that this is happening in DC now that some of these characters like President Superman can be spun off into cinematic things? I I hope so. And I, I, you know, there was all that rumbling about the next Superman film featuring a black Superman. So oh. that could be what that's all about. It could be president Superman for all we know. Uh, but the, the, so at the end of this issue, they bring back psycho pirate and he's been a big part of all the crises and he's, he's been the only guy who remembered them all. Oh, him and Metron were the only two who actually remembered all Can't the reboots. 
came back in Animal Man where they referenced to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So he uh, winds up in uh, Earth Omega, which is the end all be all of the Omniverse, mm. who is led by Darkseid. So they're bringing back Darkseid as the big bad in DC, which is not a bad idea. And Darkseid is using him as his herald, I guess you would say, and redesigns him completely. He's got a brand new look, which mm. is amazing. And so I'm assuming that the, as we go forward in Infinite Frontier, Psycho Pirate's going to play a huge role, but ultimately Darkseid's the big bad, and I'm fine with all of that. I think that's great. Are there still books where they're kind of left to their own devices, like Batman, you know, Gotham, where they don't have to deal with all this, or are they all kind of tied in in some way or form? So right now, it seems like the main DC books are still dealing with the um, ramifications of the last event that DC had where everything was like five years later. Oh, right. So mm -hmm. like Batman is broke and L Lucius Fox has all his money and they're introducing the um, the new policing force, the peacemakers uh, who are going to or peacekeepers who are putting the smackdown on masks in Gotham. And then Superman is about to stop being Superman and John's going to take over, which was also something that happened during that time period. So I think they're still dealing with a lot of that. But the beauty of the Omniverse is you've got Crime Syndicate and Suicide Squad, which don't care at all about that five-year pause. Right. And they're just doing... Uh, there's some tie in there, but they can they can kind of wander away and do whatever they kind of want to now because the creative forces are allowed to do whatever they want. They've got an omniverse to deal with. They don't have 52 earths to, to choose from anymore. Do you like it? I, like I said, I do. My fear is five years from now, there's going to be a destruction of the omniverse right. and it'll all collapse in and it'll be one earth again. And all that continuity gobbledygook goes right out the window. And I'm, I just want this to bake it's kind of like if, if you're a football guy and you get a new quarterback, you're like, can you just let the guy learn the game for and, and not trade him next year right. and get another new quarterback? So just let this omniverse thing be for a while. And now with Jim Lee in as the head guy, mm -hmm. I hope that's true because he's a creator and maybe he'll just leave it be and let it do its thing. But my, my prediction is that this series, Infinite Frontier, is going to be a big deal at some point. Orders are up. Uh, things are looking okay. It was a little dire there, you know, with all the distributor uh, issues last year during the lockdown. I have to wonder, a lot of this is driven by every single book having a cover B. So if you take that into account, how many duplicate copies are being purchased by guys like me? Sure. Uh, what is the actual readership? So it'll be interesting to kind of uh, sit back and see how DC handles this. Now, Meanwhile, Spider-Man's dead. <laughs> Going back to the well again, Marvel is heading back into 90s territory. And for some reason, their love for the clone saga, which no I, one wants and asked for. Oh, I'm telling you, there are hardcore clone saga fans <laughs> out there that love them some Ben Riley. We call them insane. <laughs> they're out there. Yeah. I mean, I see them. There are people that love, mm. they don't necessarily like the storyline, but they actually grew to like Ben Riley. And here's why I'm going to tell everybody a dirty little secret about why Ben Riley has a fan base because it was what Spider Man's supposed to be. 
single, broke, relatable, not married to a supermodel, right? Uh, you know, a photographer or working at a coffee shop, whatever he was doing at the end there. And people go, oh, this is a cool character. Guess what? That's what Peter Parker used to be, folks. Yeah, I know. But uh, but then they've got guys like me. Like, for instance, I loved the entire run of Spider-Girl because right. yeah. you got a married Peter Parker and a daughter who's a teenager and they're doing really well and they love each other. And like... I. I like that part just as much as I think people would love to, that. But anyway, like today I'm doing research on this. And one of the headlines was Ben Riley, the character no one asked for. Like, <laughs> I'll dispute that. There are some Ben Riley stands out there, man. I guess. But w- so we're going back to that well. So Peter is going to die, is allegedly. It? Okay. Uh, there's like f- scenes of, of uh, Mary Jane at his deathbed and. Then Ben's gonna wear the suit. And I, I, it's fine. I, it's, you know, at least it's not sins past. I guess, oh. uh, which is probably the worst thing I've ever actually caused me to stop collecting Spider-Man comic books for a while. You were not but, Oh, good lord! Uh, but yeah, so you're gonna have Ben Riley back, and in the meantime, over in Miles Morales' world, and I'm, I think Rich would love that I'm bringing this up because yeah. uh, I know he's a big yeah. Miles guy. How much Morales? Miles and Miles of Morales. Uh, but he has his own clone saga going on right now. So, but to be fair, it's a much better written clone saga. It he's got some clones of him that have all different powers because they've been experimented on. Yeah. And they broke free. And it's almost like a Blade Runner thing where they want to know like how much time they have left and they're trying to keep themselves alive. Um, and he it's a misunderstanding thing, but now it seems like they're all on the same page. It's a way, it's a way cleaner read than the Jackal and the Ben Riley and the, all that stuff. You say that because the Miles Morales book is the only one I really read. Yeah. It's, it's well done. And I kind of look over, you know, I, I know he was very divisive. I love Dan slot. I love oh, me too. Yeah. And yep. when that ended, I was like, okay, this is a good jumping off point. I did not get on board with uh, Nick Spencer who you know is people who watch the show know ruined captain america for me again right. so I, i'm just not i it's, it's interesting that miles is uh getting some mileage what oh, stop dad i know dad I, well and and the last really great spider-man stuff for me was superior spider-man which i thought was brilliant stuff really yeah. good uh very captivating uh so for me now as a completionist and I've been in, you know, invested in Spider-Man again. And here comes Ben Riley, which caused me to wonder why I was buying books in the nineties. Well, let's talk about your completionism as is, 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 is. Uh, you people don't realize they know you as the DC guy, but you do much more than that. Oh yeah. And you've been in this as long as Richard and I, we have a shot of your collection that you sent me today. Tell me a yep. little about this photo that's up there. So uh, got the basement finished. That's why there's no boxes behind me anymore. Uh, it, the last couple of times I've been on the show, it's been the bathroom pieces <laughs> have been behind me. Uh, so the ba- basement's done. And for the first time ever, uh, my comic book collection is all in one place. And are so boxes or short boxes. Those are long boxes. Holy moly. Evan. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it's been f- so it took me about three months to bag and board them a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And now I have the ultimate pleasure of sorting them because they're not sorted at all. 
<sighs> okay, I will fly to Ohio and help you sort them. I get to keep <laughs> what I find. Oh, hey, uh, and while I was at it, look at this. Ready for this? I'm ready. Oh, wow. Okay, there is, and for the people on the podcast, it's uh, Superman and Spider-Man, the second Treasury Edition. Yeah, I forgot I even had it. Um, so yeah. as I was looking through my stuff, I, I pulled that relic out. It's probably not in the best shape. Um, I wouldn't even know how to grade the thing, honestly. Uh, oh, well, you know, it's something that you had from your uh, youth, so it's important, and it, it means a lot to you. And it's a relic, and it's more than 25 years old. Which is my lame yeah. week two? Ready oh. to do it with me? That's twenty-five year rule. Yeah. In honor of Evan being here today, I picked one of his favorite books from. <laughs> <laughs> that is Extreme Justice number eighteen, the last issue of Extreme Justice. Oh my goodness. These <laughs> DC's answer to Image Comics and the extreme 90s. I mean, this is like uh, Macho Man Randy Savage snapping to a Slim Jim level of extreme. Bring out the pouches and the spikes and the power armor. It is extreme in here right now. This title replaced Justice League International, which was Justice League Europe before that. The Bwahaha years, which were fantastic. But why would you take the Bwahaha's of the Blue Beetle Booster Gold, Captain Adam, throw in Maxima and Amazing Man, and make them the rebel team that uh, rejects the Justice League's uh, United Nations ties and takes matters into their own hands. Yeah, Blue and Gold are that kind of extreme vigilante guys. Right, exactly. Real, real good grasp of the characters there. Uh, I'm not making this up. As the title went on, they were later joined by the friggin' Wonder Twins, Zan and Gina. In extreme justice. Now, Who that, are super extreme, by the way, Zan and Jaina. What was going on in this book? Luckily, some sanity prevailed. All three Justice League books were canned, and a new JLA title, one title, written by Grant Morrison, was launched and kind of saved the farm. Bringing back the big seven, mercifully. Yes. Thank God somebody had some brains there in the DC editorial brain trust. So uh, did you read extreme justice when it was, I, you know, I think I have a couple copies. Here's my, this is my beef with extreme justice. First of all, I was a huge uh, all-star squadron fan. Yes. And amazing man. Good character was great and has never been used right since right. all-star squadron. So for him to be in this abomination is depressing as all get out. And then you add to that, that power armor that Booster is wearing, oh. which just hurts my teeth to look at. And it's, and the, the, the additional layers of musculature on everyone where there are, are no muscles and, and people with torsos this big and legs this big. And, oh, it got better near the end when Tom Morgan took over uh, and kind of brought things a little bit down to earth in terms of the drawing and the, the art, but Man, you look at those early issues and you're like, oh, this is like a this is like a focus group came in that, you know, was in charge of monster energy drinks. And they said, here's or Poochie on uh, Itchy and Scratchy. And here's what you need to make this so much more extreme. The other sad thing is that this was being published around the same time as Total Justice. Do you know what Total oh. Justice was? A toy line. 
and they had a, a tie-in that was actually written by frigging Christopher Priest. That's so crazy. The story was good, but you know, poor Christopher Priest could have taken a real book, not a tie-in, and done something interesting with it. So yeah, Nora Extreme Justice, we don't miss you. No, or the 90s for that matter. If this book had was a Marvel book, Adam X would have been in it. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> all right time for a new feature this is a new recurring feature we're going to have on the show where we spotlight comic book stores around the nation i do a lot of traveling for work things are opening back up richard does some traveling i'm sure evan will do some traveling and we're going to go visit some comic shops around this great nation and do a little spotlight so for our first one this week we're heading to sunny scorching palm springs so let's roll that beautiful bean footage Hey, we are in Palm Springs. It is 115 degrees right now. It's hot. The collectibles market here is even hotter. We're going to visit this shop in downtown Palm Springs called Interstellar Comic Books. And we're going to meet the owner and get to take a look inside and let you guys know what it's like. Hey, I am here with, what's your name? Steven. Steven, yeah. Steven the owner and proprietor of Interstellar Comic Books in Palm Springs. And you said so, uh, this store's been here for a while. Been here, it was established in 2015. And you just bought I just it last bought year. it January 1st, 2020. I, 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 Great time I, to buy a like store. We had someone else on the show three weeks ago uh -huh. that opened a shop in January 2020. Oh, and okay. he ended up having to do curbside <laughs> deliveries. Like, you yeah. drive to people's houses. Oh, how, how did you get through? Well, I the first, uh, when the COVID hit, um, I was able to stay open a little bit, and then I was doing the same thing. I was either meeting at the back door, curbside, and I did do delivery comic book service oh, as wow. well. One of my customers even said, oh, you should have pizza. I'm like, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> um, fortunately, I did have to close, unfortunately, close because yeah. Diamond closed. Right. And then we all know what happened during that, <laughs> the chaos that ensued. But actually, since I reopened, yeah. I've been busier ever since. I, uh, I have to say, I, uh, I've been here when the uh, prior owners had it. You have stepped up your game Thank considerably. You. I mean, it's if you guys are in Palm Springs, you've got to check this out. A huge selection of new comics, mm -hmm. lots of indies that no one else carries, that uh, people are uh, hesitant to carry more than one or two full copies of. You actually have them on the shelf. Uh, lots of Radiant Black, for example. Um, so what do you think, what do you think the biggest changes you made here when you took it over? Oh, I um, upped the order quite a bit. I tried to up my regular pull customer base mm -hmm. right away. I like doubled it within the first month or two. How'd you so do that? Just asking people when they come in, if they're buying stuff, hey, do you live in town? You, you might want to consider pull service. There's no obligation. You save a little bit of money. That upped my more uh, walk-in crowd base. And then... I was a little hesitant to buy, start buying collections pre-COVID. This sounds backwards um, because I had just bought the business, so I was kind of on a budget. And then after COVID, everyone was coming in, and I'm so glad I did it because Look we made happened. we made so much money. And yeah, you're probably buying books at you know I don't know 50 cents a piece mm -hmm. and Selma you yeah. know, the shop for 30, I had 40 bucks. I had the first appearance of Black Panther in here, Fantastic Four, a couple months, two months ago, I think. Yeah, and I went for, so, sold that for 500, right. and then I bought the collection of all these old Fantastic Fours, Avengers, Defenders, Amazing Spider-Mans for 500. Oh, so that's amazing. Paid for itself. <laughs> so what inspired you to, to take over the shop? 
You know, it's just, I've worked in the fitness industry for 25 years. I was looking for a way out. Yeah. I just wanted to change. And then I found out from the other comic book store in Palm Desert that this was for sale, because that's where I used to shop. Thanks, oh, Sid. Oh. Um, that it was for sale. And I was coming into some money from the passing of my dad. And oh. I thought, what, this is a sign. Because he used to take me to the comic book store oh. all the time as a kid. So, yeah. That's awesome. And I just thought, this would be great, because I can do that. And then when I'm ready to retire, I can just sit in the comic book store. <laughs> so what, what do you like that you carry or what, what, what differentiates you? Um, well, I think we have a huge wall of trade paperbacks. Mm -hmm. A lot of comic book stores will, might have like a little section of them. Those are, that's our bread and butter for the most part. Really? We get a lot of people on their way to the airport, which is just down the street, that don't want to carry a stack of comic books on the plane, so they'll buy a couple trade paperbacks. Right. We've always, uh, the previous owner used to do a little special on them, so I, I carried that special on, saying if you buy two, you get the third one half price. Um, that usually is a winning deal. And uh, just but the previous owner did not buy old collections, right. and his selection was limited. So like like I said, yeah, I've just been this whole is a collection I bought, You're and I'm just gonna keep adding to it. I see you got apparel now, like custom yeah, apparel. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. you know uh, is uh, target marketed. I will say I'll get a few <laughs> shouts for you guys. Yeah. Uh, and I think you've done a good job of expanding the back issues because I yeah. just went through and I just had a whole stack. <laughs> so uh, congratulations! Thank Tell you. everybody the name of the shop again. Where it is Interstellar Comic Books on uh, Tacquitz Canyon, right in the heart of downtown Palm Springs, yeah. right off Indian and. Um, Facebook, Facebook. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I don't have a website yet, but that's next. Awesome. List, so. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. All right. So check out Interstellar Comics next time the uh, travel bug takes you all the way to Palm Springs. Hopefully it will not be 120 degrees there, which it was for me this weekend. Wow. Time for our underrated books of the week. Evan, take it away. All right, I'm going to throw a curveball this week. I love uh, Because I'm not going to mention a DC book. Ooh, okay, go ahead. And I'm not going to mention a Marvel book. Even better. So I think this has come up on your show before, mm -hmm. but it bears repeating because I'm going to tell you, when I first started collecting comics, uh, there was a guy selling books out of his garage. Oh, wow. Uh, God, what was his? I can't, uh, North Star Comics. And uh, in Fairview, Ohio, of all places. Oh. Uh, and I, at the time, because books were so cheap, I would pick everything. Uh, and so that's how I wound up getting into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and some of the other odd indie books, uh, American Flag and some other things. Love American Flag. Oh, love American Flag. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, cover of this book catches my eye. And uh, I'm thinking to myself, this kind of looks like the Fantastic Four. Only... Um, cooler mm -hmm. so i buy my i buy comico elementals number one ah yes the ufos yeah <laughs> good <laughs> reference another deep cut uh but it, as i'm reading it uh talk about a wild um origin book every member who gets their powers and each one of them has a power after one of the elements because that's the name uh dies to get their abilities so yeah. fathom drowns and vortex uh, asphyxiates um it, it, it's crazy but uh the look i think of those characters was really something like it's one it's almost like the authority where you go who are these guys this is a great look kind of i don't know if you would say dc ripped them off 
by by making that you have to die in a violent way to become one of the elementals because that's what happened with firestorm when he was a fire element you know but alec holland was first so who knows but uh elementals bill willingham yeah oh the writing was great and uh the storyline was pretty intense i i love the fact that monolith Mm. was a kid yeah uh but he had like the thing size body so so that was pretty cool. It's like a little Shazam thing there almost. You mean like Bad Rock? Oh, I'm sorry. Did somebody rip it, that, that off too? Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. This this book could have inspired a lot of different things. but It was a hugely popular book. People yeah. forget about Elementals. It started off as a backup in Justice Machine and then got spun off into its own title. And it was it was Comico's or Kamiko, depending on who you talk to. Right. Comico's flagship title for a long time it was their best seller for sure i was running a shop at the time i can tell you yeah it's funny because when you and i were talking about it earlier you brought up grendel and i'm like oh i remember grendel and grendel actually wound up becoming kind of bigger because grendel had a batman tie-in and some other things and there were a couple grendels right a man and a woman there was like a, a couple of them Here's what happened to Elementals, why it's so forgotten and, and kind of in limbo. It's a legal mess. Matt mm. Wagner was smart enough to share the copyright for Grendel with Comico. When Comico got bought by this, this other guy, uh, Matt Wagner negotiated his way back to getting 100% back. But it took years. There was a that Batman Grendel crossover was done for about six years and sat in a drawer. Mm until all the legal morass was was uh, worked out now elementals you ask someone who owns the rights elementals and you'll have five different fingers pointing five different ways so it's just in limbo no one can revive this this poor property because of all of the legal entanglements it's a shame yeah what a mess and it, 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 it the reason it's a shame is because you got to be careful with visually striking characters if the writing's not there right because I've gotten sucked into that, well, many times where I'm like, oh, these these guys look amazing. And then I read the book. I'm like, this book is terrible. There's there's some image books that I can think of off the top of my head that, that have that going well, for them. Speaking of being sucked in, did you keep reading it when they started doing all the elemental sex specials? <laughs> so it's funny because while I was reading up on elementals to refresh my memory, I... I'm, my eyes go down the wiki page to these sex specials. And I, all I could think of was how hardcore were those specials? I don't remember ever seeing them. I, I've seen like X-Men swimsuit issues. Those were pretty yeah. risque. But like they didn't have the word sex in the title. That's pretty. Well, they went there. It was that whole time of Eros comics and, uh, you know, adult only comics. And, and it's just so far away. Again, we're talking about straying so far from the core concept that wow. you know, that's what happened to elementals it kind of went out kind of went out with a whimper but not a bang oh john no john no john i'm so pleased with myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's that's my underrated book because i think at least the first like six issues are so good yeah. uh and then i and it got to the point where i couldn't afford all the titles on the shelves anymore. And so I, that's one of the reasons I dropped it. It's not because I didn't care about it anymore. I just ran out of juice. But well, when, I, Bill I, Willingham, I, when Bill Willingham left, he took the soul with him. It was. Mm, yeah. that And that happens plenty of times. I've, you know, I can think of like the Thunderbolts was so great. And then there was a run where they were like MMA fighters or whatever, like 
Oh my if, God. If a well, new creator comes in, they can really screw things up quick. Yeah. When you, when you just use the name and you just trash everything else, but the name, yeah. don't be surprised when everybody drops the book and it only runs six issues. Tomorrow. Right. All right. My underrated book this week is Marvel superheroes. Number 14. We've talked about this title, the Dr. Doom issue, number 20. We've talked about the Black Knight issue. Now this is the issue of this tryout book that featured none other than Spider-Man. It was originally done for a fill-in for the main Amazing Spider-Man title when John Romita had injured his wrist. Luckily, John recovered in time to finish drawing the next issue, so it wasn't used, and so they dumped it here. Mm. It is significant because this is the first time Ross Andrew ever drew Spider-Man, and he would go on to almost draw the entire run in the 1970s for Amazing Spider-Man. It is a tough black cover. It is hard and grayed. An 8.5 sold this month. For less than a hundred bucks. Oh wow! Somebody jumped on it and made an offer, and it got accepted. The Massachusetts Pedigree, which was a nine point two, sold last October for just hundred and fifty dollars. This is insanely low, considering it came out the same month as Amazing Spider-Man number sixty, which sells for multiples of this. I just don't think people know about this book, or they see the cover and they go, "Well, what? What the heck is this?" So. If you are a Spider-Man guy, Evan, and you don't have a copy of Marvel Superheroes 14, get one now while they're cheap. Yeah, at that price, absolutely affordable. And and to your point, how often does that happen to a collector? You know, you're you're following the main run, and yeah. then all of a sudden there's this one-off or a three and limit three issue limited series. You're looking at your funds and you go, I, eh, I could live without it. And that's probably what happened with that book. For sure. And if you think about it coming out the same month as Amazing Spider-Man 60, you wouldn't hesitate to jump on a Amazing Spider-Man 60 for 100 bucks. Right. So uh, why not this? All right. That is going to do it for us this week. Thank you, Evan. Everybody give Evan a round of applause for joining us. You, you sat right in that chair like you belong there. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. And anytime you guys need my services, I am here and I could talk about comic books until your heads fall off. So by all means, you've seen my collection. I have a, a breadth of information and knowledge. So absolutely happy to be here and uh, anytime. I'd love you it. Absolutely have the bona fides. Remind everybody where they can find us. At Bronze and Modern Gods on Instagram and Facebook. And also at bronzeandmoderngods.com. Thanks again, Evan. We will see all of you later this week.